0: Many of you know that I use the common lectionary for uh, preaching. Uh, I won't go into the details of the common lectionary, but there are a, because there are a lot of churches that use it and a lot of ministers that use it uh, there's an abundance of interpretation of texts of illustrations of suggestions for developing a text and that's one of the advantages and I find another of the advantages is that it gets me to preach on the whole Bible left up to me I would use stories like David and Goliath a few weeks ago John the Baptist and Herod last week David and Bathsheba next week, or the Gospels. Of course, the Gospels are full of stories, Jesus' stories. Uh, I find Paul's letters more difficult, really not as much fun usually. Um, But if we skip his letters, we skip the interpretation of who Jesus is and what influence Jesus had on people. And so today, we're going to do Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 22. And I hope I can make some sense out of it. Uh, Paul writes long sentences, and sometimes they're hard to read even though his hundred word sentences have been broken down by English translators, we have one sentence in our text this morning that's 48 words long. So then, remember, at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision, by those who were called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, Remember that you were, at that time, without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, knowing no hope and without God in the world. You now, in Christ Jesus, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near to the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in him a new human, one new human, no, one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups of people in one body through the cross, thus putting to death the hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access to one spirit in the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints, and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. If you're headed headed abroad this summer on vacation, one of the things you absolutely have to have before you can get on your flight is a passport. US citizens with that little blue book will get into 158 countries without a visa which you have to get in advance. advance. Now that's pretty good access to the world. But if you hold a German passport, you can enter 161 countries. And that makes your burgundy colored book the most powerful passport in the world your u.s passport as strong as it is will not get you everywhere without a visa let's say you want to visit the wall of china you get your tickets for beijing oops you need a visa to travel to china fortunately your passport will be checked stateside and If you don't have a visa, you will not be allowed to board the plane for Beijing. You go home, your passport power is limited. Maybe it's the Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg, Russia you want to visit this summer. You make your plans, take off work, get to the airport and then discover you need a visa, you go home, the power of your American passport is limited. Now you think it's not fair when you learn that citizens of all South American countries, citizens of Israel, and citizens from a total of 48 countries can travel to Russia without a visa. Paul discovered similar divisions in the early church. When Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, he recognized that a passport crisis was happening within the church. Some congregations required certain ethnic, political, and theological visas before entry into or full acceptance was granted. Racial and cultural divisions between Jews who had come to the faith in Christ and many Gentiles now flocking to the church had reached a breaking point. Jewish Christians did not recognize Gentile passports as offering proof of citizenship in the kingdom of God. They argued that a visa was required And in this case, the visa was the physical passport stamp of circumcision. Since the time of Abraham, circumcision meant that one was truly an Israelite. Without that mark, the Gentiles could only be second-class citizens by comparison. Here's where Paul intervenes in the situation like a fair-minded custom officer. As a Jew and a former Pharisee at that, and as an apostle to the Gentiles, whose culture he knew very well, Paul not only understood the problem, but he also knew the solution. He proposed that the old passports held by the Jews and the Gentiles be declared outdated and invalid. His solution is written in his letter to the Galatians. The new passport states, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. Your Jewish passports and your Gentile passports are invalid. As a citizen of the new sovereign realm, you have been freely given a new passport with a visa. That visa will get you into any community of faith, anywhere in the world. Visit the church in Rome, they'll let you in. Visit the church in Corinth, they'll let you in. Visit the church in Thessalonica, again they'll let you in. Your old passport, which is your connection to a previous life, has been replaced by a new common citizenship, where the only qualification is faith in Christ, and the only visa needed is the mark of Christ's blood on the cross. At one time, Jews considered Gentiles to be without a passport. They were aliens and strangers, who were at least temporarily without a country. They were without hope and without God in the world. But now, said Paul, those who were once far off have received a new identity along with God's covenant people. They have received an identity stamp with the blood of Christ. This new passport has benefits. Paul offers a short list of some of the rights and responsibilities of faithful passport holders of the new sovereign realm of God. First, this passport transcends artificial boundaries and borders. In verse 14, Paul reminded the Ephesians that Christ in the flesh has made both Jews and Gentiles into one group and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. Paul may have been referring to his own house arrest in Rome. He was accused of bringing a Gentile into the temple in Jerusalem. Taking a non-Jew beyond a certain dividing wall in the temple was such a heinous breach of Jewish law that even the Romans permitted Jewish leaders to execute anyone who violated this space. Paul was spared execution only because he was a Roman citizen and he was given the right of appeal. Awaiting the outcome of the appeal, he was held by the authorities in Rome and he took up letter writing. The readers who first opened this scroll to the Ephesians would have known why Paul was in prison. For them, the barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles was best symbolized by the dividing law wall of the temple. But Paul announces, and this must have come as a great shock to them, that this dividing wall had been shattered in Christ. And Christ takes the place of the temple and enables all people to come together in him. Remember, Paul wrote this letter before A.D. 70 and the temple was still standing when he wrote it. There are still plenty of dividing walls today, both inside and outside of the church, just as there were in Ephesus. Divisions of race, politics, practices, and doctrines often cause Christians to look at each other as second-class citizens of the sovereign realm of God. Paul says that faith in Christ transcends these artificial boundaries. Like Paul, we must be bold enough to cross those boundaries, even if it costs us something. If we are in Christ, the most important passport is the passport of that one country of which we are all citizens. Second, this passport of the sovereign realm of God also brings with it a new set of rules. Paul wrote that Christ has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace. The law to which Paul referred was the law of Moses and its practices that separated Jews and Gentiles. The death and resurrection of Jesus made peace between God and humanity and between Jews and Gentiles. Citizenship is thus marked by faith in the obedience to Christ and not by what we eat, what we wear, or how we worship. Third, the citizenship of the sovereign realm of God has direct access to the sovereign through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. This is power. The old power was mediated by priests in the temple who offered sacrifices on behalf of the people for forgiveness of sins. But now, Paul says, through Jesus, both Jews and Gentiles have access in one spirit to the Father. Instead of a customs gatekeeper who chooses to allow people in to the country based on the passport they hold, Jesus acts more like a welcoming host who enables us to bring ourselves directly to God, we also have been given the Holy Spirit, who intercedes for us in ways that are beyond our understanding. Fourth, Paul reminds us that his heavenly passport never expires. Not like yours that expires every 10 years. Our citizenship in the sovereign realm of God is citizenship in a country that has no end. And all are invited to travel to it for an unlimited period of time. What's more, we don't have to apply for citizenship in this country. All we have to do is accept the offer it is freely given because Jesus Christ has already taken care of the requirements and the passport will not be confiscated. And finally, the visa allows you access to all areas of the country. People who travel abroad will tell you that some countries do not allow unrestricted assets access to all areas of the country. Some restrictions may reply. Going to Tibet can be difficult, and even if you are granted access, you must have and must be accompanied by a registered guide, and not all areas can be visited. Even a visa allowing you access to the People's Republic of China does not grant you access to all areas of the country. But in the commonwealth of God, one can roam at will. We are free to go into areas of poverty and give food to the the hungry, drink to the thirsty, clothing to the naked, shelter to the homeless, and medical aid to the sick no restrictions it's a powerful passport that we carry as citizens of another country and we should never let that passport out of our sight amen